Well, good morning. How about we turn around and shake somebody's hand and say hello to the folks around you. Go ahead and introduce yourself to your neighbor. Tell them good morning. For those of you who might be uh, joining us this morning, uh, either for the first time, the first time in a little while, um, I just returned uh, from a 30-day silent retreat. So I haven't preached in 30 days. So get ready. (laughs) Just kidding. It was... uh, so it was a life-changing experience. That's really the only way I can say it. And um, when you receive something as sacred and as deeply uh, written as that is, it, it just takes a long time to process how to talk about it. But I very much look forward to over the next several uh, times together to share things with you. But um, maybe just to start with the, the human and the... Uh, the ordinary, I, um, I'm struggling to use a phone again. I, for 30 days, I didn't have a phone. Praise God, right? Turned my phone off, and my brain went off with it, right? So it's amazing what happens when you don't have a phone on, it's amazing what happens when you don't even have a phone on your person. Like you notice things. Like human beings. Like real people in front of you. I'd go for a walk and I, I would just notice people. and What they look like and their countenance. And what was radiating from their heart. Or the conversations that they were having with each other. You notice little things like, like the sunset or the, the quality of um, a building and its architecture. I got to the airport and I was uh, in overwhelm with the amount of um, people who were so absorbed in their phone that they were oblivious to the human beings that were all around them. I think there's something about uh, my personal experience of just something as simple as a cell phone that has affected me. I don't know about you, but it's affected me in such a way that it, it shrinks my world I have everything I need in access right in front of me, and it shrinks my world. It's almost like um, a magnet of narcissism or a magnet of self-absorption, right? And I get so focused on me and my world that I don't even see the people around me. And I was thinking about that, and... uh, just asking the Lord, begging him on yesterday, like, what do you want me to say? First weekend back, and I just felt him take the pressure off and say, well, just, just pray with the Bible. That's what you've been doing for the last 30 days. So just prayed with Lazarus and the rich man, and I was drawn to two parts of today's gospel. The first part is 
It doesn't say it. I think it's implied. I just wonder if the rich man even saw Lazarus. You know, you get so focused on your world of wealth and dining sumptuously each day that I wonder if the rich man even saw this human being that was in front of him. And I was drawn to that with the whole cell phone thing and and also, it would be difficult to, to not see Lazarus because he was suffering. It says that the dogs even used to come and lick his sores. And I just paused there. Suffering. One thing that we all experience in life. We all suffer. Rich people suffer. Poor people suffer. The only difference between the wealthy and the poor when it comes to suffering is the wealthy usually have access to things that can distance them from the actual feeling of the suffering or they become desensitized to it. But we all suffer. Every one of us. We suffer here in America. They suffer in Assisi, where I was for 30 days. One thing that every one of us here today, that we all experience, is suffering. Sometimes you suffer physically, right? Either your health or the health of someone that you love and Maybe the aging process or just just the ordinary rhythm of life, but suffering physically can be one of those things that touches close to home for a lot of people. And and maybe as I lift up the word suffering today, maybe it is physical suffering for some of us that is really close to home. But we can suffer in lots of other, I think, even more personal or penetrable ways. Especially when someone that you love is suffering, that's a whole different game, isn't it, right? For those of you who have children, whether you're raising those children now or you're raising them outside the home, when your kids suffer, it, it, it touches deep within because you, you want to take it away and you can't take it away. Then you feel powerless or you're not doing enough. And, and nothing worse than seeing someone that you love suffer. Especially when you, you can see them making choices that are going to lead to that and you, you can't undirect or redirect. Or... Sometimes suffering is self-inflicted, right? The pain that we experience in life comes from our own personal choices. Sometimes suffering is inflicted upon us because of the choices of other people. But let me hit pause for a second because you're there already, I can see it. Where is suffering in your life? Think about that. Where are you experiencing suffering or where have you perhaps in the past experienced suffering? Just think about that for a second. It's drawn to Lazarus in the gospel. Of course, the beauty of the gospel, and I want us to hold on to this, is 
there's two parts of the story that I was drawn to. There's the suffering that is on earth, right? And then there's something really important for us to embrace today, the fact that there is something after we die. Lazarus is in heaven on the bosom of Abraham where there is no suffering there, but the rich man is suffering. And I don't know what Lazarus would have said to the Lord, but here's what I hear a lot of times when it comes to suffering. I hear people ask all the time, and to be honest with you, I was knee-deep in it for 30 days of my own life, asking him, why do you allow suffering? You ever ask that question? That's a good question. You ever ask God, why do you allow it? After all, can he not do anything? Can he not do everything? Can he not do whatever he wants? Can he not take away suffering? He beat death. He healed people. Lots of times, those questions rise in our heart. I'm just giving words to it because I think it's important for us to have permission to ask it. Like, why do you even allow suffering? Sometimes we can ask, where are you in the suffering? You ever ask that question? God, I can't find you. All I can see is the suffering. It's, easy, it's important for us to, to know that sometimes we ask God, where are you in the suffering? Why do you allow suffering? Why don't you take away the suffering? And then I was drawn to something really important as I kind of sat and marinated in the gospel. Everybody look up here for a second. You see this brick over here next to Aiden in my chair? This brick right here. This is the one I'm talking about. This one. It's got a little black spot on it. Maybe some tar or oil. I don't know. You see this brick? You see this little black part? You see the corner? You probably can't see it. There's a little edge. That is how long we're going to live on earth. This, this little bitty part right here, that's how long we're going to live on earth. Now look at all the other bricks. You see all the other bricks? That's a fraction of a second in heaven. I want us to put things in perspective today. Look at earth, 80 years, 90, 30, however it is, you see how long we're going to live on earth? Now look at all the other bricks. That's a fraction of a second of heaven. Now what happens to me, I don't know about you, but it happens to me, when I'm suffering, I'm looking at my suffering through the lens of earth. And I want it to go away. Because it's easy with the cell phones or the rich man, it's easy to get so focused on our life on earth that all we can see is our life on earth and we forget there is an entire existence outside of what we experience here on earth that we are destined for. So we ask God questions about suffering and we expect God to give us the answer through the lens of this little bitty part of existence. And God often responds to us like, well, let me talk to you about heaven. 
Right? So just feel the tension there. There's a tension between what we want to happen on earth and God's longing that we just get to heaven. Now, lest you think that with that response, that means that God doesn't care about the little part of the brick, that God doesn't care about our life on earth, lest you be tempted, please God, to think that God is not with us in the suffering. Here he is. With the snap of a finger, he could have made all this go away. But he voluntarily, I want to, I want to, emphasize that word to you today. He voluntarily, nobody did this to him, he voluntarily entered into suffering to remind every one of us that he's with you in it. Or you can be with him here in it. So that means today, your health, people that you love's health, your grandmother, your, your mama, your daddy, your kids. You, can, we, can, we, can all of us together, can we put all those people right here at the cross? Imagine if you spent the rest of Mass even if your body was on Talbot Avenue, imagine if for the rest of the Mass, you were actually kneeling in Jerusalem at Golgotha at the base of the cross. And if there's people that you love are suffering, if you grabbed one arm around them and you brought them right here at the cross and you let Jesus' eyes look right at them as he suffers speaking to them about their suffering. See, when we're on our cell phones, all absorbed with us, and we're talking about suffering, that's very different than kneeling in Jerusalem and looking right here. Right there. Right there. And allowing him to gaze at us and we just begin to pour our hearts out to him about the suffering. Now the rest of Mass, literally, we are going to be in Jerusalem. But maybe for the rest of Mass, you can just be here with him. And allow the Lord today to be with you in the very place of suffering. Amen.